Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So let's record on three, two, one record. Okay. So three, two, one. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Ah, sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Right, right. All right. All right. All right. Start. Okay. Three, two, one. Record. Hi, and welcome to uh, 5 to 9. Uh, this is a podcast about sex work by sex workers. Um, I am one of your hosts, Rara Imler, and with me is Simone. Hey, hey, it's me. <laughs> as, as, you know, because you guys know us so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> hey, yeah. Y'all remember me, right? <laughs> you know, it's me, Simone, you know, from yeah, the internet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to walk into every room like that from now on. Like, you guys know me, right? <laughs> you must oh, it's know so me. good to it's so good to see you again. You don't recognize me <laughs> from the internet? From Twitter? From Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like every time, do you ever like feel like every time you're feeling too visible on social media, you'll meet someone who's like never on Twitter or like doesn't know you at all. And you're just like, oh, that's there's like a whole world outside of. Like yeah, I'm just too online. Um, yeah, I experienced that when I try to explain memes to my friends that aren't very online. Um, the worst is like reenacting vines or TikToks. <laughs> For people that haven't seen them, and I'm just like, God, I I feel like such an asshole. I'm just sitting here, like, yeah, like halfway through, just send them the link, you know, <laughs> halfway through explaining it, you're like, this doesn't even sound interesting to me anymore. Like, why <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I don't yeah, I know. Need to off, I need to log the hell off. Yeah. So anyway, obviously, we are not at the moment <laughs> talking about sex work, but um, yeah. so. So who we are, we should probably start with who the hell we are other than like, oh, yeah. Rara and Simone from the internet. <laughs> from the internet. <laughs> that should be the actual podcast title. <laughs> um, so I'm doing that thing that I'm going to hate when I edit this. I'm doing the um. Uh, <laughs> or, and, like all Just replace my, it with like. 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 Um, <laughs> But okay, who we are. Um, I'm Rara Imler. I'm a comedian and a stripper and an online sex worker based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm Simone. I'm a sex worker in Seattle. Um, <laughs> and that's the end of the show. Bye. And that's it. Okay, bye. Yeah. I am an escort and um, have started doing some online work as well recently um, because of the pandemic. So, right on. There's that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if we should do too much on like our background because I feel like we're going to get really like doxing ourselves a little <laughs> bit, but like <laughs> maybe just for like a little bit of like, you know, uh, background color. Um, I'm, you know, I've lived in Atlanta since like 2016. Um, I'm originally from Guam, a little island called Guam. Um, and that's where, what, and I've been doing comedy for like almost eight years. And I just started doing like podcasts and streaming 
And I've been a stripper for like two years and an online sex worker for about the same amount of time as well. Yeah, that's my background and my qualifications. <laughs> it's so crazy that you've been a stripper for two years already because time isn't real. <laughs> Actually, no, I think I've been a stripper for almost three years now. Whoa. That's wild. That's weird. Yeah. I can't believe I, my knees haven't given out. Anyway, <laughs> um, sorry. Okay. Well, yeah, we, we want to know more about Simone from the internet. Um, yeah, I'm originally from the West Coast. I lived in Atlanta for a while. Um, <clears throat> and I... While I was in Atlanta, I actually did dabble in online work on and off um, in a really, really low capacity. Um, and I didn't actually re-enter the industry fully until I left Atlanta. Um, oh, now I'm doing ums. Uh, <laughs> I feel like our background is like a funny one that we could touch on. Yeah. Uh, because when we met, neither of us were really in the industry. I was doing my oh. like dabbling in online thing that I had been doing, but I wasn't really uh, considering myself part of the industry at large. Right. Um, yeah. So um, this is how small the like sex worker community actually is. And also um, the Atlanta queer community, because Simone and I used to date very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> boo, boo, boo. <laughs> we bear horns. We'll fix that in post. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So we're actually exes. <laughs> Which is kind of like the most apt. I can't think of a better way to do a podcast or like a better person to do a podcast with than with an ex-girlfriend. You know, like it just it just feels yeah. right. <laughs> so um, it's like an extremely online thing to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also met on Tinder. That, yeah. Also <laughs> the fact that we like reconnected on Twitter because I was following you on accident without knowing who you were. Yeah. And you were like, excuse me, um, why the fuck are you following me? Excuse me, remember how we haven't spoken in two years? Do you like remember? <laughs> For no real reason other than like mm, hurt feelings. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, just I mean, we didn't, we didn't have, I think luckily we didn't actually have that dramatic or like messy of a breakup it was actually a pretty clean break it just was kind of like confusing <laughs> yeah I think it was like yeah I was um I will like divulge this because I'm not ashamed of it and it was a very rough time in my life I was having some pretty serious like mental health problems and going through some weird medication change changes and shakeups and just trying to navigate that um but also just dealing with my own kind of uh you know internalized like I guess, homophobia to an extent. I don't want to say like, I was afraid of being gay, but it's like, it's very, um, like the way I grew up in kind of like a, a pretty religious environment, um, it leads to a lot of, I think, uh, kind of like stifling of like ability to be like intimate and not, not just in queer relationships, but in like regular heteronormative relationships. Um, so I was kind of dealing with a lot of that shit and, you know, it, it didn't work out ultimately, but like, um, Simone's just like a really cool person that I'm glad it even talks to me at all. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, pretty great. Uh, so she's a saint for that one. But yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of like a little bit like uber personal background. <laughs> I mean, I think it all, everything happens, like everything happens for a reason, you know, <laughs> but like in a Live real way, life. I do 
I do feel that um, things shake out the way they do in the way that they're going to. Um, and like us dating was the way that we were able to meet each other. And now two years later, we're like, let's do art together, which is cool. <laughs> let's That's make like a, a podcast. Conclusion. Yeah, let's make a <laughs> podcast. And also like, it's really, really fun for me to get to go around and tell my friends here, oh yeah, I'm starting a podcast with my ex-girlfriend who's a stripper at the club that actually I used to work at in Atlanta. <laughs> if <laughs> and, I had her, uh, I'd be flipping it right now. Flipping yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, flip it, I'll flip mine for you. Yeah, do it harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just like a funny way to talk about it. And uh, I enjoy that. So yeah, I think it's going to be fun when we first had our when we had our first conversation. I think we talked on the phone for like 2 hours or something, 2 or 3 yeah. hours when we first reconnected and it was just like really cathartic and most of the time we were just talking about um what it's like to do sex work and to be, you know, I mean, I don't know how you identify politically, but I'm identify as a communist. Um, so it's like to be a communist sex worker is like a very weird like phenomenon and apparently not even an uncommon one at this point. But I just thought it was cool that we could talk about so many different topics and so many different experiences we had. And so this it's all going to go in the like in the podcast and it's going to be fucking awesome, I think. Yeah, it is really cool to get to connect on so many like uh different identification levels as mm -hmm. queer women as sex workers as leftists um it's it's not that it's uncommon or hard to find that combination of things i actually find that that's the usual combination uh, yeah. among my colleagues but it is also unique in that we did have already a personal connection as well and uh we have similar interests and senses of humor and also we're both way too online. So it's, you know. a, perfect, <laughs> it's a perfect uh, marriage of creativity <laughs> and like queer drama. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And but like, also the fact that we were, yeah, but also it's like, it's so Atlanta and it's so queer Atlanta. And let's so like, um, it's just so indicative of how the world, how small the world actually is that when I was talking about a friend of mine in the community, and you didn't even know who I was like for sure talking about. And you were like, oh, that's so-and-so. And I was like, yeah, that's correct. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we know all the same people still. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because when we lived in Atlanta, that wasn't the case. I don't think we had any real mutual oh, friends no, at I, all. I um, mean, because I was just hanging out with comedians, which like right. skews masculine and like pretty cis, cis dude. So like, yeah, yeah so I did not have... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like you and like actually dating you was my first like foray into experiencing a world where I wasn't in the minority in the, a friend group like that. So that was also what was like a, a very interesting, very positive thing that came out of our relationship is just like, you really introduced me to um, a possibility of a world where I was like hanging out more with like gay women than like with a bunch of cis dudes whose feelings I have to manage like all the time. Right. <laughs> Which is also kind of funny and ironic because I was dating a cis dude at the time. Like I was fully like yeah. cohabitating with a man, but my friend group remained pretty diverse and queer. Um, the only men I hung out with was him and his friends. So yeah. um, it was like we flip-flopped. Oh yeah, we could have mentioned like we were like both poly at this time yeah. too. Like we're just yeah. checking Very off all board. The, <laughs> Yeah, we were like we were just checking off all the boxes at that point, weren't we? 
I mean, I don't like, I don't know. I, I, there's probably a lot to say about um, why so many like queer people really love like poly relationships or find that that's healthy for them, but we should talk about that on the podcast. That would be really cool. We should talk about that on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so when you kind of approached me about doing a podcast, because this was like initially like your, um, this is like your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it together. Um, I like we talked about the goals of the podcast because like I, there's a lot of like sex work podcasts out there right now, I think. Um, but it's like, what are our goals here? Like, what would you say you'd want listeners to glean from these conversations? For sure. Um, I would love to see more like a specifically queer sex worker centered situation. Um, There are definitely like queer sex worker podcasts that talk about queerness and that it is not a secret or whatever that the hosts are queer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to have something that was grounded in that specifically because I think it really does inform Um, it informs almost everything that I experience and see and understand of the world. Um, Aside from me just like shitposting and saying that everything (laughs) happens this way. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, so that's, that's part of it for sure. And then um, I wanted something that could be accessible to uh, all sorts of different audiences. So I definitely um, have seen uh, podcasts that are, more for just clients or more for just other sex workers or, um, and I would, I would, I would like to see, I guess, some crossover. I would like this Mm -hmm. to be both a resource, a resource that clients can go to, to understand the industry better and also to get to know who I am a little better. Um, Mm -hmm. Because frankly, I'm a talker. (laughs) Uh, And so this is a format I haven't explored yet. um, And it's not something that you see as much about my personality just from OnlyFans or Twitter. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think it might be helpful for folks if they want to know what I'm like or what I sound like, this would be a good avenue for that. And then I would also like it to be somewhere that sex workers and queer sex workers can feel at home or seen. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I would like it for civilians to be able to see a more well-rounded uh, representation of what that looks like, because a lot of civilians, even if they support and they're like super enthusiastically supporting, they still have hangups or preconceptions um, that they they just don't understand certain things. And mm-hmm. sometimes it can be difficult to, excuse me, explain that to each individual person. Uh, yeah. So it would be cool to be like, here's just like an episode that talks about this why don't we just go do right. that and then like turn to this conversation so I don't have to do this every single day of my life yeah and, and we get um viewer counts on that <laughs> exactly clout, yeah. so yeah I'm actually just here for the clout um I don't actually deal in money anymore it's just right. online clout yeah and <laughs> <laughs> and Bitcoin. Yeah. You can send Bitcoin to uh point blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. The, what is it? Like 36. There's <laughs> a 36 point thing I've memorized just, yeah. for, tr- just for tips. <laughs> so much more important than memorizing pie. Memorize my Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. Code. <laughs> I got my first Bitcoin 
tributes because I do online um, domination and financial domination. I got my first like Bitcoin tributes like last month. And it was just from a mutual friend who was like, you should have these guys send you crypto. And I was like, cool. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, <he was> like, <laughs> and I was like, wait, I think Cash App has a feature, which by the way, if anyone's listening to this, Cash App has a feature of you can just set up a Bitcoin wallet. It's super easy. It takes like five minutes. So I set it up and I was like, okay, send me money. And he sent me like a hundred dollars in Bitcoin um, which is like 0. 0.000000 right. Bitcoin because one Bitcoin is like 15K. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like I just thought it was funny, like, you know, just like whatever avenue you'll take for money, you'll just be like, yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll take the weird crypto money. I don't know how to fucking trade in it or do anything with it, but I'll take it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just started learning how to use Bitcoin because so many of the sites um, to purchase ads mm. for escorting, um, kind of only work with Bitcoin. Some of them have that. the option. Yeah. Some of them have the option to have a Bitcoin or a credit card, but every time I've actually tried to use my credit card or bank account to pay with them, it just doesn't work. I don't know why, mm. but it, the transaction fails or something gets screwed up. A lot of these sites too, don't have great, um, user interface and glitch mm -hmm. constantly. It's, garbage and I hate it. Um, <laughs> nothing new there. But yeah, it's forced me to learn how to set up a Bitcoin wallet and purchase Bitcoin and then transfer the Bitcoin. And it's really not that hard. It's, it's just reverse. Sort of have to do fucking everything. We have to do fucking yeah. everything. I'm now a fucking crypto trader, <laughs> podcast producer, like advertising mogul, social media yeah. maven. Like I am a one woman production team. Like I'm hair, I'm makeup, I'm editing. I'm, it's I'm it's crazy. And then, yeah, that's why I will never consider a rate too high because mm -hmm. you may think it's high for one hour or two hours, but there's literally so many hours on the back end um, yeah. that go into all of this, which I think people are starting to realize, but I would love to dive into that at some point on this podcast too, just like all of the different things that go into it. And I think it'll be really useful to have both of our perspectives because you do so much back-end work um but God, for yeah. different, you do different back-end work than i do because mine is mm -hmm. oriented toward the in-person services and yours is oriented toward the online services more right. um, yeah like so. our banking i mean even within our industry the, our banking methods our marketing our branding and everything like is all it, it is like it's on the same spectrum but it's like it's you know sometimes we're at opposite ends doing you know the you know the exact same type of work but it's a, it's 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 really interesting and i'd love to do a, a an episode about banking as a sex worker mm. or like accounting as a sex worker because <laughs> it's like yeah. i know it's made my life more complicated and like oh, gosh, yeah. i do now i'm like is this a tax write-off is this a tax write-off like <laughs> being sure that something's a tax writer off and then it's not. And you're like, fuck, okay, never mind. Uh, gosh, yeah. And it's, oh my gosh. And that gets even amplified because uh, I have to have a cover for my tax write-off. Like it's, right. it's a whole, it's not as easy for me to just write off my makeup and clothes. Cause they'll be like, what is it for? For whoring? Is this okay? <laughs> Can I write this off for the whoring? Um, <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this podcast because it, it's just kind of different. Like, you know, I, obviously I work in a club every day. Um, 
not every day, but I work in a club and I also have like a, an online community of like sex workers that I'm close with. But I think this is going to be really like good for, like you said, like kind of exposing like a, a more nuanced view of like what sex work is and how people engage with the industry and how we as workers engage with the industry and just as human beings, because everyone's like different, you know, like there's, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I, I have very low stamina. I mean, you, I don't, you must have like crazy stamina if you do like in-person <laughs> stuff because just like the emotional labor is like wild to think about. And I just think of like being a stripper and being like at work for two days a week and just how fucked up my brain is after that. And so it's like, I'm really excited to like explore the nuances here and how we all kind of cope and come together. And like also how we can like help each other out in the community. That's another thing I'm really looking forward to is like interviewing people that are like us that are trying to do good work within the sex work community and try to be advocates and, you know, advocates for ourselves as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, a, a really important point for me in terms of goals of the podcast is to really amplify other voices um, that aren't being heard and to give people a platform to promote themselves, their business, their whether it's sex work or something else. I know so many, so many incredible people in the industry who have other side hustles or who mm -hmm. are advocates. Um, and I do feel a responsibility as a more privileged white sex worker um, who's, you know, lucky and privileged enough to be able to work indoors to be able to screen thoroughly to be able mm -hmm. to make choices about who I see and to be pretty discerning about that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty picky. <laughs> um, yeah. That that it doesn't feel really morally right for me to have a platform that doesn't also um, give due credit and share that space with other uh, more marginalized folks. So I definitely will be uh, excited to bring on guests and interview folks as well as just boost them, even if they're not here. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that aspect because I mean, yeah, like by all means, we don't want to be like yet another podcast. That's just like, Oh, like two, you know, like one white passing girl and one white girl just like talking to each other. And it's like just more totally. of the same, you know, like, there's definitely already kind of a skew towards whiteness for the podcasting community anyway. And we definitely don't want to like reinforce any kind of like, you know, kind of regressive shit. So it's, we're going to try to include as many voices as possible and try to platform as many people as possible. Um, especially if you have a marginalized identity. So we're very excited to do that. Um, also just to like, hang out and talk with our friends too. Cause yeah. like, <laughs> there are so many just really interesting kind, fun, badass people in sex work. And I feel like it's not something that's really showcased enough. Like uh, people love to kind of ask us questions that are really probing and intimate about our jobs, but they don't really like show too much of an interest in like who you actually are. And I think that that is like a critical part of intimacy. So if mm -hmm. you are, um, so, and we're gonna like set up a way for people to get in touch with us for like being being guests and stuff if you want to come on and promote yourself and you know just like talk shop and hang out with us that'd be cool this is really just a ploy for me to get more friends <laughs> <laughs> i'm just having a hard time making friends and yeah. you, just call my <laughs> you guys want to hang out for like an hour we can drink we can drink on cam <laughs> we can drink on cam yeah it's it's actually different than drinking alone um because someone else is looking <laughs> at you yeah directly um, at you the whole time yeah 
<laughs> yeah. It, it, no, don't worry. You won't feel self-conscious. You won't feel like an alcoholic. It's <laughs> yeah. Or you can just like do shifty eyes all day or be like yeah. online shopping. Like I'm right. going gonna, gonna, to, I'm not online shopping now, but like when I am on zoom calls for anything longer than 10 minutes, you can be guaranteed that I have like the shine app, the Shein app or whatever. Oh yeah. Open and just clicking away on my wish list. So we should have yeah. a FinDom episode where Ooh. people can live watch us record this podcast while you online shop and just like oh send you tribute. Like that would be yeah. really funny and cool. <laughs> that is a genius idea. Oh my God. That is like you're a genius. You share your stream of your wish list. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just an ideas man, you know. I'm just. You I'm really like, are. You're, yeah, <laughs> throw out a lot of ideas. Yeah, like I'm just like so. It's so like nice talking with someone and just like them immediately like getting it. And it's like I feel like we've always had that dynamic. And it's like it, it's really cool because it's sometimes like you're like trying to collaborate with people and you realize like oh we don't have any like we don't click at all and like. Like, okay, I just want to tell you like a really quick story because yeah. it's relevant to like kind of being a sex worker. But I was I was on like Twitter and someone, because my DMs are closed now, I just recently closed them. I like, yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. I, I have no idea why. But um, so I closed my DMs and then someone just like added me and said, Hey, how you been? It's been a long time. So as you know, that shows up on like their Twitter timeline. And like, mm -hmm. it was this guy whose picture I didn't recognize. And I went to his, and this, and by the way, he's adding me on my vanilla Twitter the one where mm -hmm. I don't post like explicit stuff at all. And, um, like the one, my, like all my family follows me on <laughs> and he like added me. So I go to his profile and his whole media tab is just porn. And I'm sure it's like him in the porn too, in like boy, girl porn. And I'm like, okay, I still don't know who this is. I don't even know them from like sex work Twitter. So but I'm like, you don't recognize them by their dick. You can't just tell yeah, right, yeah. by their dicks. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at them. I'm like, I don't know this guy's like, this profile picture is not familiar to me. And I keep scrolling down and then I see a video of him performing at the Orlando Improv. And I start getting oh like gosh. this feeling. And it's like, but it's under a different name and I recognize his different name. So he DM'd me from his porn account in which he also posts his comedy and I was like appalled because not not only just because of like the just the annoyance of like him being like hey what's up on his timeline to me like <laughs> understand you and get more and, and, like, more and then like but it's also just like in his Orlando improv like video he's being introduced by the host who is a known fucking sex creep, like oh a really awful, well-known like creep, like has done like grossly illegal and disgusting things and has been like ousted by the community. I hope by this time. So like, it was like extremely like triggering and like, it was extremely triggering to be down like porn, 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 porn of this guy's dick. And then like, Oh, a predator from the Orlando comedy scene. And then the, like the, as the intro to this guy's shitty ass comedy video. And I was like, okay, I do know who this is. And I'm like, dude, why are you adding me? It shows up on your yeah. timeline. And he's like, oh, cause your DMs were closed. Hey, it's good to see. Like he was just like, yeah, good to see you. Maybe we can collab on something funny sometime. And I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, I almost, you know, when you like write out like two paragraphs, like, 
paragraphs <laughs> to somebody and then you just like erase all of it because you're like, no, this is not how I want to spend my day. Like, yeah. Because you know, like they're just going to be a shithead and respond. Right. But they DM'd me and they're like, oh yeah, I like, I contacted you about that modeling thing like a year ago. I'm sure you still have the emails. He literally said that. I'm sure you still have the emails, but he wow. messaged me from an account that didn't have his real name. It had his porn name. And I'm like, and also just like, yeah, we can work on something funny. And I'm like, dude, I haven't talked to you in like a year. <laughs> and before that, I met you like once. We like, could collaborate on something funny uh, is such a weird opener too. Like, yeah. could you at least have said that in a funny way? How do I, how am I supposed to know that you're funny? But also like, he has that's very bold of you. <laughs> has my fucking email. Like you already have my email. You could have like, this is a, this is why I didn't work with this guy to begin with when he was like wanting like, you know, adult models. Cause I, he didn't know how to craft a business email and it fucking annoyed me so bad that I just decided not to work with him. And this was like a year ago. And I'm just like looking, I'm like, you could have just emailed me and instead you're just trying to like get clout from like a pretty girl online or something. And I'm like, this is exactly what happens to women, I feel like, all the time and femme people all the time. But like, especially to sex workers who like have any other kind of online activity other than like sex work is like people contacting you under the premise of like, yeah, we should collab. And then it's <laughs> like, this is like a like thinly veiled attempt at free attention and like free clout. And I'm like, I'm not having it anymore. <laughs> I feel like this is men getting more creative um, to figure out ways to get women to look at their dicks. Cause like, yeah, what was I had process? to you had to go, you had to go through his media tab and see his dick. And like, but he, you can't accuse him of sending you a dick pic. It's like, well, you volunteered. Yes. clicked on my Twitter page and looked at my media tab. Like, nah, dude, I see you. You're just trying to get me to look at your dick. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Maybe that's it. Maybe he thought like, yeah, I'm going to have her like, look at my thing. And like, she's going to be like, oh, I do want to collab with him. He's hot. Like, yeah. Or no. like posing it as a comedy collab, but then like, you know, you know, it's like, just going to turn it like, yeah, so I see you do porn now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like, oh, we could make a little video together, and then you oh! would have to be like, wow, I'd rather die. <laughs> I, that, that uh, was speaking of like shitty DMs. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a good noise. It's an accurate noise. I have my DMs open because I talk to like on my work Twitter because I have so many colleagues I like to talk to, and mm -hmm. occasionally mm -hmm. there will be someone in the DMs, or maybe I hold out hope that occasionally someone there will be in the DMs who's gonna like pay me <laughs> um <laughs> mostly I just get stupid ones this was um this was one of my favorite ones that I got recently um I also just a heads up if you are a a person who consumes sex work online or tries to hire sex workers uh you will get blocked if you send me shit like this in my yeah. dms if you talk about if you try to book me in my dms I'm just gonna send you my <laughs> website um or block you so this guy said Hey, beautiful. I was just wondering if you do meetups. So first of all, off to a bad start. You're literally, the link is in I my bio. Like, this is the entire account. Obviously, I do meetups. You just have to read. But as mm -hmm. I'm learning, men are often illiterate. Um, or expect things to be told to them. Like they expect like the time and labor to be put into ex like explaining simple concepts that they could have just Googled themselves. Right. So I already was like, this guy's definitely a time waster, but I'm just gonna, I just sent him my website back and nothing else because someone's got to teach him, you know? Mm -hmm. And his response was, 
<clears throat> hey, I understand you want me to go on that, but I don't want to. I'd rather just do on this. Tell me how much I want on 20 men's sex with a condom. <laughs> um, oh, I, God, your DMs my, are just probably so much I think so what he was trying time. to say is I don't know how to read. Please just give me a price to have sex for 20 minutes. And that's just not my business model. I'm sure there are plenty yeah. of people that do it that way but again you could read her ads or her website and contact her the proper way and not do right. it this way because this way sucks so i just blocked him um i just really loved the acknowledgement of like hey i understand you want me to do that but i don't want to yeah and that really I, confidence in meeting up with you in person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, i don't like, want to do that <laughs> yeah so i've just decided that i i don't know how to follow instructions but i think you should trust me to to be inside of you which is but so only for 20 minutes because, yeah, I'm only for 20. because I do not care about you at all as a person. <laughs> it's yeah. literally yeah. extraordinarily about me. <laughs> like, I was really tempted to just write back, hey, I understand that you want to do that, but I don't want to do all that. <laughs> and also maybe you can just go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. But instead I blocked him because anybody got time for that. So yeah, it's like you got to protect so much of this job in like in, across the across the spectrum of actual labor is just protecting your time and your energy from time wasters. Because there's so yeah. many guys out there that just refuse to do something simple like read an ad like, yeah, learn anything before you come to me and waste my time. Like, yeah, it's actually astounding how many times I've had people um they found me through an ad platform that to get my contact info, you have to scroll through the entire ad mm -hmm. and they'll do the right thing. They'll email me and they'll, which is my preferred way to do communication. Um, and they'll be like, I found you here, but then they'll start asking questions that were in the ad that they had to scroll past to even get to my contact info. And that's really irritating because I'm like, you did one right thing yeah. out of like three. And also if you ask me these questions, I'm just going to redirect you back to where that information was. And the longer you make me have to do this, the less likely I am to see you. So right. could you just do me a quick favor and read. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I still have not figured out what the what exactly it is about men that make them not want to read. And <laughs> I don't know if it's like they don't want to read specifically what women have to say or if it's just that they don't know how to read, period, um, because it's it's I think they just wild. feel entitled like, like I don't know. OK, I'm going to speculate here and I'm going to just I'm going to generalize a lot, but I, I'm going to assuming that like men that specifically seek out services are probably like some of them like probably do have enough money to just kind of like be like, Oh, I, I have enough money. I should be able to get like this whenever I want it. Um, and like the fact that it's not just like, it's like a, it's like a primate brain thing. It's like me want this now me have resources. <laughs> Why, you know, the thing I need. And it's like, they're <laughs> the primate brain takeover. And it's like, and women are just over here like, oh, you're just precious. You're, you're great. Uh, never change. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just like, but the cumulative, like emotional effort of like explaining to men information that is readily available is so like, there's some days where I could handle it and my threshold for it is really high. 
And I'm like, my threshold for annoyance is super high. And I'm like a saint and I'm so patient. And then there's days where I just pop off and I'm like, I definitely lose like customers and like, you know, clients and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Listen to me. Uh, you're an idiot. Like, yeah. Please step back. Please don't contact me. And like, I, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I totally, I don't even know that it's in specifically in reference to men seeking out these services, because thinking back, I actually experienced so much of this as a paralegal as well, mm -hmm. where a majority of the clients were men emailing me as their first line of contact as a lower level paralegal, um, having me explain over and over and over and over again via email, very, very basic instructions or, hey, how do I complete this form? Well, here's a link to how to complete that form, which also you could have Googled literally, how do I complete this government form? And you would have been directed to that link, but instead you made me do it. Instead, I had to go do a Google search for you. And frankly, I'm not being paid enough and you're not even the one paying me. So, so do you think this is like a, do you think this is more of like a, if we zoom out a bit on this, do you think it's like more of maybe a class issue? Like the, like a professional managerial thing where it's like, they're just like, I just need answers now, 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 now my time is important. So I can't Google it. I like, think there's definitely a, I think it, it does have to do with the relationship of any kind of service and a man having resources. Um, and I think it gets doubly uh, emphasized when it's a woman in the service role. Because when I was a paralegal, like these clients would do this to male paralegals as well. It's just that a majority of paralegals were women, like, mm -hmm. which I'm sure there's an analysis about that as well. I've definitely thought about it before, but, um, yeah. So it's, it, it is that like service role. And especially because women are seen as, or certain types of service are seen as like women's work. Um, right. And that emotional labor, you know, like the theory of emotional labor was first formulated specifically around people that were more in service roles that mm -hmm. the emotional, um, their emotional presentation was actually the main labor they were doing. So like being a nurse is a highly skilled position to have, but the mm -hmm. part of it that matters most to the patient is your bedside manner and not necessarily right. your competency as a nurse, even though that's actually what's saving your life. Or if you're right. a maid, uh, no one wants, no one that's hiring someone for a service wants to think that that person is miserable. And so the emotional mm -hmm. labor is masking uh, at someone's discomfort or displeasure, um, which I think is interesting when comparing it to sex work, because I think clients, do fear like, oh, she doesn't really like me and they want it to be genuine um, mm -hmm. and they don't want you to think that you just hate your job. And I'm not going to speak for all sex workers because there's a variety of way people feel about their jobs. But I would say that I actually have a easier time doing that emotional labor in sex work versus other service roles because I do feel like I have more autonomy to be able to step back and say no because I'm my own boss mm -hmm. and I'm not forced to uh, maintain this veneer on behalf of someone else. Um, right. And so for me personally, I enjoy, I do enjoy the work that I do. I do genuinely enjoy it more than any other job I've ever had. And so there's actually less masking that goes into it than there would be at one of these other jobs. And if I find myself in a situation with a client where I have to mask a lot, I won't see that person again because it is right. just too exhausting. Um, right. And so if you've seen me multiple times, you can be sure 
I probably am really actually having a good time. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always a little bit of, there's always going to be a little bit of a mask because I have to protect myself and my energy mm. and my life and my identity. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to feel like I actually did so much more exhausting emotional labor as a paralegal <laughs> than mm -hmm. I feel I do these days. Um, and actually, yeah. interestingly enough, going back to your point earlier where you were talking about how being at the club two days a week can be so draining uh, and like not knowing how I manage it. I find it um, in the reverse. I find it so much more exhausting to do the online work to the extent that you do it. You know, like mm -hmm. I find that I would rather have a couple of days a week where I'm doing emotional labor. Um, although to be fair, you have eight hour shifts and I <laughs> do it. So it's a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, condensed. like a lot of time your work is not like back to back to back to back. Like, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, and, but also that I find the idea of having a day where I spend hours filming content to be so much more draining than a couple of hours, um, mm -hmm. hanging out with someone. Um, so I think it, it really is just dependent on each person. And that's why the industry is so cool because everyone has such a different experience with it. And we have these common themes or whatever that come up between us um, that make it relatable, but that also there's no way to generalize the whole industry. Yeah. Uh, like, and it, it's so funny because like I, 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 as a stripper, yeah, like my shifts are like eight hours um, and I am becoming more of an introvert as I get older. So that is also a difficult aspect of, uh, doing sex work for almost three years now that I never, um, oh no, not three years. See, I'm losing track of time. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's like over two years now, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but like doing sex work for over two years, it's like an unexpected aspect is just how much like I appreciate being alone and how I, you know, I really enjoy creative work that's just kind of left to me solely to make my own like schedule and to put out my own like stream of content and and to basically like make the things I want to make and rely less on having to talk to people in real life like that is like a difficult aspect for someone who's becoming more and more introverted mm -hmm. um so it's like it's really nice to be able to um set my own schedule in that way and just work based on my own mental capacity um, because there's there's some people that can just do it like five days a week and I'm or five or five days or nights a week. And I'm always just so impressed with that because that's totally not me. <laughs> and yeah. like and it, it's just it's kind of great, though, because it's like in a lot of aspects of like online sex work really put you in control of like, you know, your own schedule. Um but there are, you know, there are times when I'm just like, I could just go to the club right now and talk to like four dudes and make the same amount of money. And so right. sometimes you just have like for me personally, that's the choice I make these days is like, do I want to work X amount of hours and have more energy for other stuff? Or do I want to just go in for eight hours and do nothing else? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So it's, it's always a gamble too. And especially these days because of COVID, it's even more of a gamble for me to go in. Like before it was like, I'd go in and there would be a slow day mm -hmm. at the club and you'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's not right. the worst thing that can happen. You have slow days, but now because of COVID, you're like, is it, is it going to be worth me getting sick potentially right. to go into work? And so now it's like, I feel like there's like a veneer of stress that was not there before that it's like, everyone's kind of 
nobody likes talking about it at the club either. Like you talk to customers and they get really uncomfortable once you start bringing up COVID stuff. Like they don't want to be reminded of it at all. And like yeah. some people just are straight up denying that it's even around anymore. Like I get a, this is what's so frustrating about in-person work right now for me is because I have to talk to so much to these guys before I can even like get dances out of them for the most part. Um, I have to get to know them. <laughs> Ugh, getting to know them. <laughs> Growth, <laughs> um, but like, there's a lot of ant like COVID conspiracy theories out there, and a lot of these dudes that come into the club, a lot of customers believe them, and like, it is real. That is very emotionally taxing for me. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, how do you deal? Like, how do I not get fired in this situation? Because if I pop right. off on a customer and push back against this, it's like there's always going to be a, those customers that are like just you know, cranks and you're just like, ah, you just got to like kind of get through it and just to get your money. But then like this stuff is like legitimately putting people in danger, you know, and you're just sitting there with your mask on about to get your titties out. And you're like, this guy that might have COVID like, cause he's not right. social distancing. He's at the strip club. Um, right. He doesn't believe, he doesn't believe in COVID. Um, and apparently nobody in his family or like, and he was friends believe in COVID. So it's like, cool. So glad to be working right now. Right. So glad. To, so glad. So there, yeah. So there's like, um, and we're going to definitely probably have like a whole ass episode about COVID yeah. and how it's affecting in-person work and online work because it's like a pretty big subject right now. And it probably will be for the next, like, I guess until they get a vaccine. So like year, year or two. Right. So anyway, I have, I have chatted long enough. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's fascinating. Cause I'm thinking about like how I don't experience that kind of person because of my ability to screen before I meet people. So there's like these conversations about, well, what kind of sex work is safer? And it's like, well, it's really dependent on like geography context, like what access to resources you have. Most mm -hmm. people would consider full service to be riskier than stripping. But in this instance, like, I don't see people who don't think COVID is real. I'm able to prevent myself from having to even talk to those people. Um, mm -hmm. And so in that way it feels safer, but I mean, it's been, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do a full episode, but it's, it's interesting to think about like what's going to be more worth it and safer. Is it online? Is it in person? Um, mm -hmm. I personally have been trying to, um, hold fast to having a longer date minimum. Um, and this is simply because it's not that I don't enjoy and appreciate shorter appointments and I'm definitely losing money because of it, which is scary in a pandemic to be, to knowingly be turning down work, to knowingly be losing income when I, I kind of need it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like you're saying, is, is it worth potentially getting sick? And yeah. I feel like if clients were to, listen to this and understand that it's not that I'm, I think one hour isn't a valid date appointment and that I don't sometimes enjoy those. Although I do generally prefer longer anyway, because like I said, I'm a talker. I like to mm -hmm. get to know someone at the beginning. Um, but you know, is it worth your bodily safety to mm -hmm. maybe get sick for, you know, whatever your hourly rate is between two and $700 right. and potentially get sick with something that could be life-threatening to you? Um, mm -hmm. Or is it safer to have that higher minimum, which means lower volume, mm -hmm. which means less exposure, and which means that at least if I'm taking the risk, um, I'm getting a slightly bigger monetary reward. Although if I were to really sit down and 
look at it, it's like, okay, is a thousand or is 2000 is $3,000 actually going to be worth it if I get sick? And the answer is no, there's actually a much higher amount of money that would make the risk worthwhile, but I can't not work entirely. So I can't say, well, you know, $10,000 minimum, um, because that would maybe cover part of the hospital bills I would end up with if I got COVID. Right. Uh, I have to do something more reasonable, but it's also not worth, you know, four or $500 to potentially get sick and to, you know, in turn expose myself that many more times. So this constant battle, this juggle of risk assessment, um, it's challenging and it's, it's hitting the industry really hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. And I think like the mental health toll it takes having to, having to weigh these judgments, um, having to weigh this information and your safety and like your expenses is it, it takes a, it takes a toll on you. Um, I've had several breakdowns over quarantine just from working so hard with online work and having very little return and just having breakdowns because of it, because I was working so hard. I was working harder than I ever did just stripping. And it was really, really tough. I'm sure a lot of other people that went from um, in-person work um, to having to do stuff online were in a really similar situation. I mean, when I first started like an OnlyFans, I think I made like $40 my first month of OnlyFans, like, cause I was not really like focused on it, it was a side hustle for me. But there's something to be said about everyone that's had to turn their side hustle into their main hustle. And because it's like, it's basically like starting a business before like you're actually ready to start a business. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like you're just doing everything, like you're doing everything like 20 times faster and having to produce 20 times more and having to like build um, a customer base from like scratch, which is like very scary. Um, and especially in an economic downturn, like what we're seeing now with online work, like, I don't know how it has been for everyone else, but I've been seeing a trend of people being like, oh, like, like even online sex workers that were doing like really well are noticing it's like much harder right now to make money online. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's probably, um, about the same for the people that have always been successful that have like steadily built their base. Um, but I think for people that are like small independent creators and service providers, it is like, it is really bouncing around right now. So I can only imagine what it's like for in-person work as well. It must be like very chaotic and uh, scary at times, you know? Yeah. And with the online stuff, um, it's, it's a different skill set. And like, I had avoided making an OnlyFans pre-quarantine. I had felt some pressure to do it just because I noticed a lot of colleagues were already doing it. Um, And I had resisted it because it's not my strongest skill set. I had been doing online work on and off for six years and I never really, it never really clicked with me because I didn't, I don't have it in me to make it my full-time job. And I still treat it like a side hustle. I put some effort into it, but um, I like sex work because it allows me to be my own boss and make my own choices and not do for the most part, not do things that make me really miserable. And I found that when I had to work really hard at online work, it felt like the kinds of jobs I was trying to avoid. And it felt really pointless for me to be in an industry, like be in an industry that I'm in for the complete independence and then have to relinquish it uh, to online work, which is 
challenging because, you know, I do think we have to adapt with the times and we can't just outright reject these things that can work, but I, it's not something I would be doing at all if I felt like I could not do it. Um, There are parts of it I enjoy for sure, but I, I, for the most part, wish that it didn't, I wish I had more of a choice, I guess, in the matter. Um, Because right now it doesn't really feel like I have the option to not at least try to supplement my income with it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the market was already so flooded. That was another reason I hadn't signed up Mm -hmm. for online work was because I saw how flooded it was. And I was just like, there are these beautiful, beautiful, talented, smart women who are already putting out incredible content. And I see them already struggling and Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to compete with them. Like I'm not at that level. I'm not more deserving than they are. And um, oversaturation is real. I think it's hard to, everyone says, find your niche, find the thing that makes you unique, but it's really hard actually to find Being a thing unique in really sex cool. work is like not an easy thing. I mean, you no. have to be like really niche. I mean, that's why yeah. I started doing kink and fetish. Cause I was like, right. listen, I am not a porn star. Like I'm not doing right. boy girl content. I'm doing solo content. Um, cause I'm in like, I'm in a monogamous relationship right now. Um, and the most, I, the most like contact I have with people is like, you know, stripping, which is like, you know, pretty full contact at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I'm like, how do I compete with people that are doing like boy, girl porn orgies, like, you know, like putting cucumbers up their ass. And I'm just like, I can't do any of that. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? So I started getting into kink and fetish, uh, clip production because I found that to be like, oh, well, I'm willing to do a bunch of weird shit. Like that other people might not feel comfortable with. Um, so I'll just do that. I'll just like find, you know, find my people there. Right. Right. So it's like, but I'm still, you know, it's still a struggle because within those, you know, within your niche or whatever, there's still going to be like at least a hundred girls or, and, or guys doing exactly what you're doing, exactly what you're doing. And you're like, Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it's no shade to anybody like doing what you're doing but like, cause it's, we're all in the same kind of situation, but it's, it can be really demoralizing when you realize like you are not as special as you think you are. You are mm-hmm. not like, you are not like a, a rare commodity. And it's like, right. but yeah, like, I think like the larger issue is like all work sucks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing, even if you love it, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna see this hoodie. What does it say? It says fuck work. <laughs> My favorite hoodie. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it's like all work under capitalism sucks ass. Even if you right. would love it. It's like that's why like high like high level performers take so many fucking vacations. It's not because they're lazy. It's because you literally have to because it's still at the end of, end of the day, it's if you're making your income off of it, it's work and it is tied to like those feelings of work. And so I like, I just took a week long break from online work and I was just shit posting on my sex work mm-hmm. account. And like, I was like, I'm still don't miss it. I'm like, Oh, I don't work. I don't miss this at all because it's fucking work. Like, just yeah. like, I don't miss the club. I miss right. my coworkers and I miss right. dancing and I miss like uh, the few customers that don't irritate the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't miss work. Like mm-hmm. nobody, like when you really examine it misses it. So it's like, right. I feel like 
it's such unfair scrutiny that sex workers are put under for not like absolutely loving what we do 24 seven and wanting to like embody it 24 seven. Right. And so it's like, we have to also remember like, yeah, this is like, everything sucks, <laughs> but especially right. work. So yeah. Yeah. And oh man, like tying, tying into work and also what you're saying about finding niches and stuff. That was like, when I first started my OnlyFans, I was like, okay, well, what kind of content do I want to make? And I wanted to make more niche fetish stuff. And I did a few videos like that. And what I found was that I really preferred producing rather than performing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a shy person. I'm a little bit of an exhibitionist. I loved being a stripper, like for that reason. But something about being on camera um, was less appealing to me. And I, but I really love creative direction. I love planning. I love the editing process. All of that is fun for me. Um, but what I found with the kink and fetish stuff was that the only way to succeed, especially on a platform like OnlyFans, is to use the follower base you already have. And the brand that I built for myself and truly the way that I am in real life is like, I don't usually do these extra niche fetishes or kinks. I find them interesting, but they're not how I get off. Mm -hmm. And so the people that follow me aren't looking for that. Right. And there's some fear around like, if I started to brand like this, maybe I would scare some of those people off. But more, it's just, it's hard because I have this following base and now I have to try to find a different following base within that to mm -hmm. then promote to this platform. Um, and what I found was that I just didn't have the, the customer base for those fetish videos. And then mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I guess I'll try to make a second work Twitter for a more fetish oriented persona. And mm -hmm. it was so hard because I was already pouring so much labor into my main brand that I really care about and that mm -hmm. is a genuine reflection of who I am. And then having to build a persona that's more built around less of who I am and more of the content I'm putting out. And honestly, I burnt out on it so quickly because it was, mm -hmm. it felt way too hard and way too much like work that wasn't, um, netting the kind of results I wanted. And so that was kind of a lesson was like, find your niche, but then you can't just do a niche if you can't, if you don't have the energy to put into building the the audience for right. that niche. And if you prioritize, if you're already prioritizing a different audience, then you have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And my online work is still my, or my, um, sorry, my in-person work is still my priority. Mm -hmm. So that audience is more important to me. And that account that I've worked so hard to build is more important to me. And so that's where most of my energy is going. So now I'm, now I what, have to pivot and have a whole other Twitter to have a yeah. whole other persona, to have a whole different audience base. It mm -hmm. didn't work. And so what I ended up doing is moving away from the niche fetish stuff and making it more of, um, making my OnlyFans more of a more intimate look at who I am in my daily life. Um, yeah. which felt a little bit more true to form, but also comes with its own challenges, such as now most of my life feels like an opportunity for content, which yeah. <laughs> I don't love all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, yeah, it's just, it is work. It is hard. It's, it's so flooded. It became even more flooded with, you know, everyone that's online or everyone that's in person now going online. And then of course, newbies to the industry, uh, yeah. which I've not been in the industry very long. So I don't feel like I'm an authority figure on it or have any, uh, anything to say about it. That's worth anything, but I am watching my civilian friends make an only fans and mm -hmm. then, um, 
be surprised at how much work it takes or right. using their the fan the audience that they've already built was built under their real persona so they're advertising their sex work persona via Ooh, their real life name that, that makes me out. scared yeah and I'm someone I'm, very can I, I feel like my even my stuff is too connected like if yeah. someone really wanted to hurt me like the thing is is like I don't hide I'm I'm I have a, the privilege of like my whole adult life has been set up to do whatever the fuck I want mm-hmm. um for better or worse but it also means that I have the freedom to connect my sex worker persona with my with my vanilla persona. Um, but it's a choice I consciously made because I I have more of a platform on my vanilla sites. Like right. I, and I've I've that's how I built a little bit of a sex worker following. But I realize like it is scary sometimes when you realize how easy it is for people to find you if they really wanted to find you like they can connect those two things. And it's like. Yeah. It's why I've started raising my prices on everything because I'm like, (laughs) all right, at least, motherfucker, if you're going to get my shit and try to, like, you know, release my shit into the world, like, I'm going to get paid for it. Like, so that's my that's my whole attitude now with, like, online stuff is, like, I'm going to I'm going to at least make it a little bit, you know, expensive for these motherfuckers to, like, fuck with me if they wanted to. But I'm I'm really, like. I am very like, I'm very much in like the 1% of sex workers that like is comfortably um, connecting vanilla and sex work um, like interactions online. And I try not to do crossover too much, but like I, it it happens, you know, it happens because I'm like a visible, like I'm, I was trying to be somebody in comedy already. um, And I was very open about my sex, like about selling nudes when I first started doing it and becoming a stripper. And I think because I'm just so open about it already, it's easier for me to connect the two. But it so it's it's hard. It's hard finding that like line too, because like I don't like when people try to talk to me about sex work stuff, um, like on my vanilla Twitter. Like I want to be, I want to be able to talk about it. But unless you're another sex worker or a comrade, like I really don't want to like discuss it with a random person, mm-hmm. um, like in my DMs, which is why I shut them down. Um, but I also like I, it, it's scary, like because you know, I, as sex workers know, like you're just treated like a whore no matter what. Like even if like I like I get really horrible nasty messages on my vanilla Twitter all the time, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm not doing anything ex- like sexually explicit on my on my regular Twitter, but I still get called a whore and a bitch. And like, you know, even before I started doing sex work. So it's like, you're just treat, like, it just sucks to like realize like, Oh yeah, you're just going to be treated like this as a femme person online, no matter what, like, and especially if you openly are happy with being a sex worker, like it's, it's like, if you're, if you're miserable, they trust you more. Right. Um, and like, but if you're happy about it and you joke around about it, it's like this, it's like, you're not taking like human trafficking. <laughs> yeah. You're not taking sex trafficking very seriously. Like yeah. you're joking about being a stripper. Like it, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of like weird double standards and there's a lot of like weird dangers associated with like being open about sex work. Um, even if you're not explicit, but Anyway, I, I'm tr- I trailed off there for a second. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. It's it, the connection, the connecting like your real identity with your sex work identity. I think, again, like it's hard to say if it's safer for some people versus other people. But um, I guess like the worst thing that could happen or uh, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> there are many bad things that can happen if someone were to decide like, Oh, like for my friends that are 
just entering now OF and like promote it on their real page, you know, they could get a stalker. They could get someone who wants to hurt them. They could get yeah. uh, blackmailed or doxxed or whatever. Um, but also what they're doing isn't illegal. Right. And so for me, I have a much higher fear of, um, I don't blur my face in my ads. And so facial recognition, like technology yeah. could fuck me over regardless of whether I connect them or not. But it feels like at least a slightly bit safer to not be fully out and about on my personal channels because mm -hmm. I don't want my real name connected with my work persona for legal reasons. Right, um, right. So, you know, it, it becomes, I have a lot more trepidation around it because uh, I'm a pretty open person. It's kind of impossible to blackmail me with this because um, there are certainly people in my life that don't know about it, but if they were to find out the consequences wouldn't be that bad. Um, I've thought this through and have decided that if someone tried to blackmail me with it, I'd be like, do it. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like literally no one in my life is going to disown me or kick me out um, yeah. of my house or um, I'm very, just very lucky to not have grown up in that kind of environment. Um, but legally, uh, I have concerns. <laughs> so yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, 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 I'm sorry that I like centered my whole thing. No, no. I, oh my god. Because what I do is completely legal, which like, right. Yeah, but that again, like, this is like why it's so important to have more than one type of sex worker having a platform because like I don't know these experiences that you've had with legality. Um, my my issues with legality are all like you know online sesta fossa stuff. Yeah. It's not like doing an in-person job because I have a home club that I go to. I we have security, we have staff, right. like it's a legal venture. So it's like the stakes are much different and like it, it's less intense, I feel like. Um, but yeah, like this is like this is why I'm so glad to do this podcast with you. Yeah, I yeah. think people are going to be like, oh my God, I, I I get this all the time when I do like podcasts about sex work like, and I have my friends listen to them. They're like, I had no idea about this, this and this. And it's like, yeah, like there's stuff that I don't know about within my own industry. Totally. So it's like, we're going to get like everybody's uh, stories and experiences and feelings out there um, and just talk shit out. Yeah, I think that's the best Um part of doing this is like getting to have all these different perspectives um us having uh us having so much in common and us having this cool personal history and yet having such different experiences within the industry but then also the industry like having brought us back together um it's just really cool to see all the like venn diagrams and crossovers and also to realize that there's just always so much more to learn um mm -hmm. and i'm super stoked to learn more about like the doming side and the FinDom online dom stuff, because I, uh, I tried to kind of go that route a little bit and I do find it personally interesting, but I just don't have the stamina to build two different brands simultaneously. So it's just fun yeah. for me to hear about and learn about. Um, uh, I actually read a really fun, <laughs> I read a fun interview today between a dom and a fin sub I'll have to send you. Um, oh yeah, please do. It's cute <laughs> yeah that is uh, i would love to do just a whole episode about about uh financial domination and have some of my dom mutuals on because i follow mm -hmm. some pretty pretty great um people and like i there's a lot of misconceptions around financial domination specifically too and like it's a problem because of like the um popularity of tiktok doms uh, coming in and being like, I just ask men for money and they give it to me. And it's like, right. okay, well, that's not exactly 
it. <laughs> like, oh, if you have like 200,000 Instagram followers, then yeah, you'll be super successful, like probably right away. But for the average person trying to make money online would not suggest it as the starting point to online sex work, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> have you seen those TikToks? I feel like I used to see them more a few months ago, but um, girls, they usually looked younger, like maybe college age, uh, doing the uh, like sugar daddy thing and posting the green screens of their screenshots. And it was always yeah. just like, it was just always such small amounts of money. <laughs> like I was, yeah. I was just like concerned for them. Like, girl, just get more. Like if yeah. you have someone also, money, like how much are you doing for meetups? Because if you're just like going to meetups for like a hundred bucks, yeah. like you are in danger, girl. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the girl's like, being like, how do you do this? Like, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl, she's showing you five transactions of $20. Like you don't want, yeah, there's a thing wrong with making smaller amounts of money and like everyone's got their own situation i'm not going to shame anyone for whatever their rate is but um it's not a good i don't think it's a very helpful or productive thing to encourage young girls who know nothing about the industry to be excited about a hundred dollars because they're gonna undervalue themselves from the get and potentially get themselves in dangerous situations um yeah and now I see a lot of TikTokers like showing people like, this is how I sell panties online. And I'm always just like, mm -hmm. ah, this is sex work. It's not so simple. Stop telling people to just throw their underwear in the mail. Like there's more that goes into yeah. that. You have to be careful. You have to be. Yeah. Like, are you sending it from your home address, girl? Like, what are you doing? Like, do you I'm have like, a PO what box? Are, What's going on? actually comfortable with what, have you thought through the consequence of what this is? Like, yeah. Like they're masturbating on top of your undies. Like, are you yeah. cool with that? Like You're actually cool with that. Like, yeah. have you thought about it? Um, yeah. So, oh man. Yeah. yeah the there's proliferation. this misconception. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Just the, the proliferation of like online sex work by people who haven't really done their research or haven't done their due diligence to me always is uh, scary and it's happening more due to COVID because people are losing their jobs. And historically sex work has been, you, you need to survive. Like yeah. it is a great option. And so I'm not gonna fault civilians for entering the industry because once they enter the industry, they're not civilians. Like this is how we mm -hmm. all end up in here. It's just that it's people rushing into it out of uh, either desperation or clout or whatever it is that they perceive sex work to be mm -hmm. versus making an educated decision for themselves. Um, I just wish people would, especially younger girls, I just wish they would think harder about it because I certainly did the same thing when I was 18 and rushed into doing sugar dates and luckily nothing mm -hmm. ever happened to me. And I kind of stopped doing it as quickly as I had started. But looking back, I'm just like, oh God, I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I was doing. Thank God nothing happened to me. I wasn't being safe. Um, and I'm really glad that I took the years, literally years of research and getting to know who I was before I re-entered in-person work um, because I literally didn't know what the fuck was going on when I was 18 years old. I don't think anyone does. Yeah. I, I think there's like a misconception around um, like how people perceive sex workers um, who advocate for sex workers. Like, um, it, like I don't like the assumption that we're all just encouraging girls to go out there and like sell their panties, start an OnlyFans. Right go on cash meetups, go be sugar babies. Like, I don't like that conception because it's like, it shouldn't be like your, it shouldn't be your only option as a young woman in this country to like, to, to make money. But it, oftentimes it becomes it out of necessity. And I would never like judge a young girl for doing these things out of necessity. 
but what I'd like to offer is just like, you know, you're going to have to like deal with the consequences of this some point at some point or another. Um, some people get away for a really, really long time without anybody finding out that they do sex work and like more power to them. But more than more likely than not, you are going to get outed at some point or this is going to affect you on a personal or professional level at some point. And if you are a young girl who like, you know, wants to make money, like like wants to make money to put themselves through college so they can be a lawyer, that is something you're going to have to weigh. And only mm -hmm. you are going to be like able to judge if the, if it's worth the risk. If for your future career. And sometimes you won't have a choice either way. You'll, you'll just have to go for it, but there's a way to do it safely. And there's a way to grow and to learn this industry without it taking over your whole life and being like, and putting you in unnecessary danger or any more danger than you would, would have anyway. But right. like, yeah, like I, I don't like the idea that we're all just out here being like, yeah, sex, sex is awesome. Do it for work. Like, you know, like so easily. Cause like, I tried to tell people like, yeah, like this is a real thing. Like there are real consequences here. It is fun. It is glamorous. Um, but oftentimes it's not fun. It's not glamorous. Right. <laughs> and you should yeah. be prepared. You should be prepared. Like, for the negative consequences of what will happen. Cause there are a ton, like there totally. are a ton out there. Totally. I think I, um, there's also a certain personality that thrives in this industry. And it's, there's so many different personalities obviously. And it's not just, Oh, you have to be extroverted or you have to be really good at dancing or whatever it is. Um, but I definitely had people you know, hit me up who, uh, like one example would be someone hitting me up and just being like, oh, out of the blue, how do you become a sugar baby? Or how do you <laughs> get into sex work? And to me, that that approach strikes me as, oh, you're just not ready for this. Um, not because you are asking, not, not just because you're asking without doing it respectfully. Yeah. Um, but also because if that's your question for a sex worker and that's the, the thing you lead with, what that tells me is that you haven't done any independent research for yourself. You haven't done even a basic Google search um, on these things. You haven't followed Twitters. And um, you know what all of those transferable skills are is going to be screening. It's going to be mm -hmm. using your intuition. It's going to be discerning who's safe. And I do think a lot of sex work comes down to intuition and I think intuition is something you can hone. You don't have to be amazing at it all the time from the get go. But if that's your first question for a sex worker, to me, I don't feel safe even telling you the answer because yeah. I feel like I don't know how are you going to take care of yourself? I feel like I'm endangering yeah. you if I actually help you because I feel like you need to know how to do some of this by yourself because that mm -hmm. self-motivating, self-starting ability to do research on your own ability to mm -hmm. figure out what even are the right questions to ask people um, is how you keep yourself safe in the industry. So I feel like yeah. there's a lot of that happening as well. Um, and again, I'm pretty new still, like I am not an authority on this. I am not an mm -hmm. expert, but that being said, um, I have been doing various forms of the industry for seven years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and before I went back to trying in-person work, it was literal years of just absorbing information from sex workers. It was yeah. Tumblr and then it was Twitter. It was mm-hmm. following people, meeting people, um, and not actually asking direct questions until I was ready to make the plunge. And I felt like I had figured out all that I could from research. Right. Um, and what that did was it set me up to start out really strong when mm-hmm. I first came out doing my in-person work. I knew I knew what kind of photos I needed to have. I knew where to post. I knew like how to use Twitter to do those things. Um, and the questions I had to ask other sex workers were about much more nuanced things that can only come from lived experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, this is like, I, I did the same thing when um when I was selling nudes. Like I, I just started following sex workers that were selling nudes and like whose content I liked. Like when people ask me about, like I, I get this question from like baby sex workers all the time. They're just like, how do I sell nudes? And it's like, did you do any Googling? Like I figured it out. You can too. And like, I, again, I did a lot of research before I went and asked people for help. Like I made sure that I was like, I, I, because at that point, like when I was selling nudes and I realized, Oh, this isn't easy. Um, this is a lot of hard work. I realized that I would be having to put more effort onto like learning a new, uh, way of doing things and learning marketing and branding and advertising and everything. So now like I started the same thing with uh, when I started doing like dominatrix work too. I, I, all I do. And the thing is, is like, I'm a very new baby dom. So I still do a lot of research. I still Mm -hmm. like, I have engagement groups with other doms that are around my skill level or like slightly higher, like much higher. And it's like, and I learn a lot from those conversations. I, I watch other people having conversations about, the dominatrix work they do. And I, I just drink it all in. I just try to like learn as much as possible. Um, and also figure out like what your safety level is, like what your comfort level is. Cause that is a big part of being, of having any, uh, stamina in the industry of having any longevity is like knowing what you are, your hard limits are going to be. Um, and sometimes those change and sometimes like the things you offer, as services change and you need to just be okay with saying no to stuff that is not within your brand or not within your like skill set. I had to turn down a request um, from a really good uh, custom uh, customer of mine who buys custom clips. I had to turn down a request because I was physically not able to handle the request. Mm -hmm. Like I, it was an anal custom video and I was not able to physically handle it. Um, despite trying to prepare as much as possible. I was trying to prepare my right. asshole as much as possible. I, I guess we're going to get explicit about this. Like, I was like, after a week of trying to stretch my asshole, I was like, I'm just not going to be able to fit this size plug that you want. And I'm like really right. stressed out and I'm really busy and I'm so sorry. I'm going to refund your money. And like, they, they were so sweet about it. They were like, I've worked with this person like many times over the past like year, I think. So they're like, it's so fine. Like, don't worry about it. They let me keep the tip that they gave me. I I referred them to other workers who could do do that for them. Um, so yeah, like if you are the not so glamorous, just sorry, I actually can't stretch my asshole. I can't that put this in my ass. <laughs> And that's the biggest disappointment I've had in my job this month. (laughs) (laughs) I told my boyfriend this and I was like, babe, I just can't do it. And he's like, so don't do it. And I was like, you're right. I don't have to do this. Like a man correct about (laughs) it. 
Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, this, this podcast is probably going to get pretty <laughs> explicit. We'll get raunchy. Yeah. I mean, yeah get raunchy. But I, I'm like, so I'm just like always in perfect. I forget how um, this sounds sometimes to like civilians and regular people because I'm just be like, yeah, I just like, I got to stretch my asshole today. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely have those moments where I'm like hanging out with a civilian friend and I want to tell them about a work thing. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, is this going to sound weird when I talk about like, oh, man, he had me in this position for X amount of time and, I, and my back just kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah. Like, is anyone going to be receptive to this besides other sex workers? <laughs> like, yeah. does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Can I get a, a some acknowledgement in the chat for... <laughs> Yeah, like, I'll, I'll forget, like, that not everyone is comfortable with, like, kink and fetish stuff. Like, yeah. and I was just talking about, um, I think I was talking about, like, this food fetish video I did. And I was, like, really excited. I was, like, someone's paying me to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, like, yes, this rules. And I was just, like, talking to my friends. And I was, like, oh, oh, my God. Like, I had to just, like, bur like I had to figure out a way to burp for like 10 minutes <laughs> while I was eating tiny fried fish. And they're like, what? What the wow, fuck um, are you talking about? And I was like, oh, anyone, it's the work thing. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this, please pay me to eat food on camera. I would love yeah. to make that video for you. Uh, I love food uh, and I love to eat. Send me some food and that's it. I'm horny. Um, yeah. I talk a lot about how I get horny over food. Maybe I have a, God, me I think too. I, dude, being on sex work Twitter has shown me that I uh, have fetishes that I didn't know I had. So that's okay, a fun part same. of the industry too. Yeah. Like I never considered myself. So this is, what's funny is like when people like this happens with my strip club customers all the time, they'll find out I do like kink and fetish or like do dominatrix and they're like, wow, you're like, you must be crazy in bed. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I am not this interesting. Like my, I am very lazy. Um, I'm also just really stressed out and tired most of the time. So like sometimes we'll, sometimes I'll get creative, but it's like when it's your job to be creative at sex, it doesn't make you want to do that. Like on your, like just with your regular sexual partners, like, yeah. I just sometimes I want to be a pillow princess and lay down. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to have to think of creative ways to like, oh yeah, I'd like tonight I'm gonna tie you up and whip you or like right. bust God, your balls. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, oh, this feels like work, and I don't want my right. sex life to feel like work. So right. that's another thing yeah. where you have to like figure out the divide between like your content and like what you want to do like with your partners and how to how to maintain like a healthy sexual relationship with your civilian partners. So totally. that's another, that would be a really good episode actually. Uh, yeah. Which is why I'm like, I feel like I just only want to date other sex workers. <laughs> I know, right? I just, I good. But honestly, oh gosh, even dating as a sex worker is going to be a whole episode period because I find that I just don't even have the energy or stamina to date period. And it's not, uh, it's not because anyone is doing anything wrong. It's just, you know, my job is focused on intimate connection and right. it's not even about finding partners who approve of the work or whatever. It's straight mm -hmm. up. There are plenty of people out there that want to date me and want to fuck me. <laughs> yeah. and are fine with my job. Like I know this as a fact, not to toot my own horn, 
But that could be said of a lot. That could be said of a lot of sex workers. People just assume that nobody wants to like everyone wants to fuck us and nobody wants to date us. And like it's that's not true at all. Everyone wants to date us. We're fucking cool. Like, and I think it is easier to date as a queer sex worker than a straight sex worker, based on what I've seen from my straight colleagues who Mm -hmm. uh, exclusively date men. uh, It seems to be harder to find straight men that aren't weird about the industry. Whereas um, if I'm dating primarily other queer people, even if they're not sex workers, they're more chill about it because queerness and sex work are so intrinsically linked. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I encounter much less of the whole disapproving situation and much more of just the, I just straight up don't have the energy. And I'm not necessarily, um, I don't know that I feel like an extrovert or an introvert, um, Mm -hmm. but I do like to decompress alone uh, mm-hmm. at work. And because so much of work is just being on Twitter these days, I just spend a lot of my time by myself. And the idea of having yeah. another person around or God forbid, having someone in my bed every single night, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just be by myself. Um, yeah. And so that that's the actual challenge for me is less about finding a suitable partner and more about uh, I don't want to share any more of my energy or my time than I already do with other people. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's completely valid. Like, and it it is, it is really difficult to, I mean, like I've been with my partner for as long as I've been doing like sex work, actually, Mm -hmm. like I started becoming a stripper shortly after we started dating, but I was kind of selling my nudes online a couple months before that. Um, So I've like, he's been on this whole journey with me, which is why he understands the industry a lot more and is very much accepting because he started out, he started out like already being very supportive. So Mm -hmm. I got very, very lucky in that regard because uh, it doesn't always land that way. Like um, sometimes people will start doing like online sex work and content creation out of like necessity. And they quickly realize like their partners are not okay with it. Um, And that must be a really difficult thing to find out at, in the midst of trying to do your job. You're just like, now oh, I have God. to deal with my partner being really uncomfortable with what I do. Um, so I've luckily never had to um, deal with that. And like, again, like communication always comes into play with relationships and like, you always kind of have to be checking in with somebody. Um, but also like it, you shouldn't have to, you know, your, your, your partner has their own level of comfort and stuff like that. So it's balancing like your own autonomy with like, your intimate partner's like, you know, feelings about, Mm -hmm. about about everything and not all like negative feelings around your partner's sex worker necessarily from like being whorephobic. It could be from like seeing the energy they put into it and realizing like, this is really like hurting you. Like you're really like my partner was like very cognizant of like all my stressors and everything. Um, And it's more just like a concern for the person's safety than it is like a need to control their body. So there's like a whole episode we could do about that and just like balancing relationships because it's not easy. Even when you have someone that's like 100 percent supportive of you, it is the world does not make it easy for you. Yeah, And I mean, I won't get too into it because I don't want to put anyone on blast, but like the deal breaker of sex work was a a large portion of why my last serious relationship ended. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was actually directly like because of that, there were other issues. We don't, we weren't meant to be together and it's Mm -hmm. that it was becoming obvious in other ways, but um, sex work for me was the straw that broke the camel's back was the, Mm -hmm. I really want to do this thing. And my partner is saying that if I do this thing, we can't be together. Uh, 
And that is a really hard thing to go through when you really love someone and you don't want to hurt them and you really like want to be respectful of them, but you're also feeling like I'm being pulled toward this thing for a reason. Um, right. Yeah. And so that was complicated in a lot of ways. And ultimately I felt like I made the right decision because uh, I actually really did need the money. I wasn't having good luck with jobs and uh like immediately after breaking up, my income was doubling <laughs> because I was doing whatever I wanted to make money and it was working yeah. better for me. And since then it's only gone up. I have more autonomy, more freedom than I've ever had in my life and more financial freedom than I've ever had in my life. Um, and I did have to walk away from a relationship that was important to me, but it wasn't more important to me than my own bodily autonomy. Right. Um, so it is really complicated and hard to date. Um, and that was with a, a cis straight man. Um, mm -hmm. And I haven't encountered anyone that I've met since then has not had a problem with my job, my work and what I do. And if I ever get a hint of uncomfortability, I kind of aggressively put my foot down because I just, yeah. I won't tolerate it at all. And I won't tolerate, um, I don't have any space for new people in my life who want to like question or pick at it. So it's right. a lot easier now to make the decision than it was when I was, already deeply invested in something and then started doing sex work it's yeah so much easier to have it in the reverse and it's cool that you found someone that it happened simultaneously because then it sort of yeah I'm, I'm very lucky it was just like a good yeah. timing situation I think um yeah. but like seeing that you know my partner is also just like much more cognizant of the issues around sex work as well and is very like supportive of the like de decriminalization movement and like mm -hmm. um and you know like unionizing horrors and stuff like that so like um so i'm like i'm very lucky to also have a partner who shares my like leftist values because right. i just i i know that i could probably date like a liberal or conservative again that would be cool with sex work but i just like feel like um it's so important for me to be with someone that's like politically aligned with my with my uh, views and like a lot of that is around like um liberation um and mm -hmm. and socialism and um right. workers owning the means of production so i'm very lucky like in that regard to have a partner like that too and again because you could find someone that's totally cool with what you do as an occupation but they might like be ideologically not right like not not consistent with what you're looking for in a partner right. and also um their personality might just not mesh with yours like right. as well as you'd like even if they're completely 100 percent accepting so right. yeah there's, so there's so many factors i mean yeah our job is just definitely another layer i think of difficulty um but like there's no shortage of people that want to date us it's just like yeah. how <laughs> you know like People don't, I mean, there's some, there's definitely a lot of people that don't understand what comes along with dating a sex right. worker. Um, but there's definitely more people that are like, want to find out. So totally. totally. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. We're going to have so many different topics to cover. It's well, there's a so hundred bajillion episode ideas all yeah. in this one episode. So. Yeah. And I think this is a good, uh, this is a good time to, I guess, end our first episode and do some yeah. plugs. Yeah, for what we're going to be doing. So um, I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash islandgoth. 
Um, I will be throwing this episode up on there, on their little podcast host thingy. And then we're also going to be distributing this in some way to all the major podcast platforms. But patreon.com slash Island Goth is my personal Patreon, where I manage um, my stream and podcast, The Hot Girl Agenda, which that's what this podcast is, uh, a podcast within a podcast. So I, it's kind of confusing, but um, we're still working out the details and everything, but we'll get it out to the, we'll get it out to the public in some fashion but that's my personal plug um yeah i i guess fuck it my i'll just plug my <laughs> my, my twitter oh yeah not? i was like wait what are you gonna plug <laughs> I, yeah i i was being really wishy-washy about it but my twitter can be found at uh, simone in seattle pretty easy uh which has links to my only fans my patreon which um I am a writer, so I post a lot of like erotic poetry. <laughs> um, I need to check it out. It's great. It's five dollars. Like, why not? You know. <laughs> um, and yeah, so all of all of my stuff can be found there. Um, and then I would like to quickly just plug the uh, political stuff that's been happening in Seattle. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to plug the Sheree for State campaign, uh, which is a sex worker, uh, a, sorry, a queer black femme sex worker uh, in Seattle, an abolitionist, a community organizer, an advocate, uh, someone who's been really important in my life, who's helped me out a lot through their project, the Greenlight Project. Um, they are running an amazing campaign for the uh, one of the House of Representatives seats for the state of Washington um, in the 43rd district. So if you're in Seattle and you live in the 43rd, please go vote for them. If you uh, don't live in C or if you don't live in the 43rd, I don't. Uh, but you want to help out the campaign, you can look them up, shereforstate.com. You can sign up to volunteer. And if you're anywhere else in the country and you can't vote, but you would like to support, I highly encourage donating and just spreading the word because I think uh, local politics in Seattle end up informing politics nationally. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just great to have a lookout for uh, a leftist candidate who actually yes. was recently endorsed by the Seattle DSA as well. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, and yeah, just wanted to plug them. Cool. Awesome. Um, and yeah, we will be definitely talking with a ton of grassroots community organizers and um, people that are running for office with the pro sex worker platforms. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to continuing this and making this just a fun, informative uh, resource for you. Um, if you're just curious about, you know, the lives of sex workers and the politics around our lives and everything like that. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time on five to nine.